800. WXDXFM. Pittsburgh. Break the wall! Twenty thousand people paid to see the Steelers practice yesterday. Not play, but practice. We talking about practice. Admission got charged ten dollars a head. That's two hundred k the Roonies didn't have and don't need for that matter. I can't imagine what any of you think you saw that was worthwhile, let alone to pay to see it. And there was tailgating. Friggin' tailgating before a practice in August. In the meantime, the Pirates played earlier that day at PNC Park. 24K showed up for that, but half of those were Cubs fans. The Cubs fans took over the park. It was like a home game for Chicago. Now imagine if half of the dopes who paid to get into Heinz Field to see practice had instead paid to go see the Pirates and Cubs in a game that mattered, at least in theory. But instead, you went to see practice. Pittsburgh sports fans have some screwed up priorities sometime, and this was one of those times. Practice. We talking about practice. And if that Steelers defense doesn't improve by leaps and bounds, the Steelers could end up in a very similar position to the Pirates come season's end. But in the meantime... Hey, Pittsburgh sports fans, guess what? You just made the list. I mean, practice. We talking about practice. 412-333-9939 is the number to call to talk to me. I forget the map. Oh, 412-367-0815 is the number to call to address all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. Thanks to our friends at Matt Mertz Plumbing for sponsoring the list. Count on a name you can trust. We got Tim Benz in a Subway giveaway at the bottom of the hour, so please do stay tuned. Uh, Athlon Sports did a Steelers game-by-game prediction for the season. And boy, I look at this list, and everybody thinks the Steelers are going to win like every game. They must not have seen the defense. They got four writers. Three of the writers picked 12 and 4. One writer picked 13 and 3. They must not have seen the defense. That's all I can think. They must certainly not have seen the defense. 412 Like I mentioned, the Pirates split with the Cubs at PNC Park. The Pirates hung in there for a long time. But now it's over. Now they're out of the wild card race. Mathematically still in it. You look at the standings, you can fool yourself a little bit for a little longer. But they're donezo. Five and a half games back with 37 games left and four teams. they got to jump over. I'd like to know what you think of Hurdle benching Marte. If we're just tuning in and we talked about it, it shows open. In yesterday's game, Marte didn't run out of grounder. Totally half-assed it. Hurdle was waiting for him in the dugout at the bottom of the steps. Marte pointedly went down the other steps. As in, I just don't want to hear it right now. 
And Hurdle let it go rather than making a scene in the dugout, which was probably, you know, well-advised. But today now, Marte is benched for the first game of the series against the Atlanta Braves. There are two ways of looking at this. One is it's the right thing to do. And Marte has been guilty of lapses in effort, mental lapses, uh, base running errors, stupid play in the field. So I totally agree with Hurdle. But my counterpoint is maybe this should have happened a long time ago. And maybe it's become such a regular part of Marte's behavior that nothing can be done now to break him of it. Polanco and Marte are inconsistent in terms of effort. They often have mental lapses. And they are extremely, extremely inconsistent. Unbelievably inconsistent. And you can trace the Pirates' inconsistency to some degree to them. The Pirates' inconsistency mirrors their inconsistency. I want your thoughts. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I'm getting Starling Marte splits. Okay, listen to this. In March and April, he had 286. OPS 812. In May, 338. OPS 946. In June, he hit 194. OPS 568. In July, he hit 341. OPS of 1.008. In August, he's hitting 224. OPS of 586. That is an incredible roller coaster that Marte is riding. And it is mirrored by his effort and his investment mentally. And I would certainly suggest that for a team that has Marte as a key player and him being so inconsistent, it's going to be tough for that team to truly build on anything and tough for that team to truly get anywhere. I got Polanco splits too. In March and April, he hit 198 OPS to 747. In May, batting average 232, OPS of 745. In June, he hit 306, OPS of 1.018. July, 301, OPS of 0.998. But so far in August, he's hitting 161, OPS of 0.490. Can you get anywhere when your good players are that inconsistent? I would suggest no. Let's go to Jared and Prospect. Jared, you're on with Double M. Hey, super genius. I just want to talk to you about the uh, benching of Sterling Marte just because of his lack of effort. Like, I get it. Yeah, it's the right move. But like you were saying, a little too late. Like, something like this should have been done April, May, June, any of the months prior. Like, show that you are the manager. This is how I expect it. Should have, it should have been done not only earlier this year, but years ago. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, it's by the way, this just like in. Marte such... says he didn't hustle after slipping. Apparently, he slipped coming out of the batter's box because he didn't want to get hurt. Because, as oh. you know, people get hurt hustling all the time. Oh well, that's a shame. Then I mean, you're getting paid millions of dollars, and I, you might be able to make it if you pull a hammy, a hammy in your whammy, like you said earlier. 
and you miss a couple of games. Yeah, whammy in your hammy, whatever. But uh, no, I'm not going to say that that this will be a cure all because I don't think Marte is ever going to change. I think he's too late in his career to change. This should have been done years ago. Same with Polanco, but uh, I think at the very least, it sends a message to the rest of the team and sends a message to the fans as well. Hurdle mentioned, well, yeah. Hurdle mentioned that he heard the fans' displeasure when Marte didn't run out the grounder yesterday. Yeah, and as long as you build on that, like, hey, you know, this is where we're going. You need to give 100%. I mean, heck, if they give 95%, Okay, that's better than what they've been doing. Well, and when Marte and when Marte doesn't give a hundred percent in a game like yesterday's, he's kind of telegraphing that he Marte doesn't think the Pirates are really in the race, or that he Not doesn't yet. care if they are. Yeah, or you know whether they're irritated at the situations or whatever. Okay, well you know what, play play your best, do your best. Other teams will see that you're winning, you're trying, you're doing what you can. And then that's your ticket to get out of a bad situation where well, the owner yeah. doesn't care. If he wins. Hustling should be its own reward. Working for your paycheck should be obvious. Somebody quoted me on Twitter saying, I think young people suck and they're ruining everything. That's not what I said. I said, I think millennials suck and they're ruining everything. And he says, well, I think old men yelling at clouds suck. Yeah, maybe. But, but I'll tell you point blank. I think the notion of putting a moral compass on everything to the point where you can't even go to Hooters is just, it's almost puritanical. It really is. Have to love everybody and love everything and be tolerant of everything, but we can't tolerate women in big boobs serving wigs. Seriously, that is puritanical. Like, like we will embrace the... Uh, LGBTQ community, and we should, and I do. But then there's something wrong with with girls in wife beaters with big boobs serving wings. You know, you know. I mean, like it's amazing what we used to be shocked by and used to embrace, and now it's like it's switched. Maybe that's for the better. The embracing of again to stay with that example, the LGBTQ community is something that was long overdue. But. There's nothing wrong with babes in wife beaters with big boobs serving wings. There just isn't. But if millennials don't like boobs, they don't like boobs. Even though many of them are boobs. 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Double M, what's going on? He's a gangster. Yes, I need your advice, super genius. You're an ass, you're an ass, you're an ass. The X at 105.9. A tweet today from the Dinamo Minsk uh, Twitter account. That's a hockey team in Russia, the KHL, welcoming uh, new winger Bo Bennett to the team. Uh, I know Bo got hurt a lot, and you like to make fun of it, and he even learned to laugh at it a little bit. He's a really good guy, and I wish him well in Minsk, wherever the frig that is. Uh, by the way, we've been talking about Starling Marte being benched tonight. And that should preclude him appearing as a pinch hitter or in any role, by the way. You're benched, you're benched. You shouldn't play at all. But uh, it isn't like this in the other sports, but in hockey. Have you ever noticed? If there's a player's coach and the players get used to him, the next coach is always going to be a disciplinarian. 
that the coach is a disciplinarian and the players learn to hate him, the next coach is always going to be a player's coach. Uh, it didn't really follow that here in Pittsburgh, except when Terrian got fired, who was a disciplinarian, and they brought in Dan, who was a player's coach, Bilesma, whose biggest qualification for the job was that he wasn't Michelle Terrian. But then they went from Dan to Mike Johnston, who I don't know how I'd characterize him, just kind of a buffoon. And then Sully, Sully kind of walks the tightrope between disciplinarian and players coach. I'd honestly say he's slightly more disciplinarian, but I think there's ample helpings of both. We got Tim Benz at the bottom of the hour. We've got a subway giveaway, so please do stay tuned for that. I can't get over 20,000 people paying admission to go to Heinz Field last night to watch the Steelers practice. 20,000 people pay 10 bucks each. That's 200K that the Rooney certainly didn't need. Going to Latrobe and watching for free, kind of weird, but at least it's free. Paying to go to Heinz Field and dealing with the parking, the in and out, God, I can't imagine, but um, it's not how I'm wired. It's not part of my life the way it is for so many of you, so if you dig it, do it. If it's fun for you, go right ahead. I just cannot imagine. The Marte benching isn't quite the big deal, at least on Twitter so far, that I figured it would be. It was so evident when he dogged that ground ball, when he ran it out half-assed yesterday. You're not going to get him to change, Joe. You're just not. This shows the fans and the team something. Marte didn't apologize. He just said, I accept the manager's decision, which is pointedly not apologizing. Okay, we got Tim Benz up next. By the way, quick Ryan Clark quote from ESPN. He said, after watching the Steelers' D this week, if they don't pick it up, they have no shot at dethroning the Pats, unquote, and that is right on the money. As I mentioned, Subway dropped off some new sandwiches earlier today. Thanks to Subway for doing that. It's the uh, Pulled Pork Crunch and the Cubano Sub, both available now for a limited time. And since Liverpool won 2-0, and the game-winning goal was scored by number 7, James Milner, caller number 7 right now to 412-333-WXDX gets a $25 gift card, which you can use, of course, to buy the new pulled pork crunch or the Cubano sub at Subway. Caller number 7 right now, 412-333-WXDX. We talk to Tim Benz next, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Finishing his checks, causing a constant commotion. Hey, Mr. Madden, how you doing? Sometimes I'm so damn dumb, I wouldn't take a phone call from me. DX at 105.9. It's a pleasure now to welcome to the program. From the Trib and from the Steelers Radio Network, it's Tim Benz. Tim, 20K paid to watch the Steelers practice. A lot less than that if you don't count the fans from Chicago Paid to see the Pirates play an important game just down the road. Have Pittsburgh sports fans lost their minds? I might pay $20,000 to do neither again when it comes to watching Steelers practice or the Pirates the way things are going. 
Uh, did people run into practice with more alacrity than Starling Marte ran up the first baseline, Mark? I think I know what alacrity means, and I'm going to say no, because they were all <laughs> drunk. But but what well, about, well, let's go to that. What about Marte getting benched? Is, is that yeah. something that should have happened a long time ago? I saw him dog running out that grounder yesterday, but it didn't strike me as anything new. What is new is a punishment. Yeah, and then also from what I understand, Bob was reading me some of the quotes before I came on the air with you, Mark, and he said some of the effect that one of the quotes from Hurdle was, well, I heard from the fans. The fans let him hear it. Well, if the fans let him hear it during the course of the game, why didn't you take him out right away then? Why even send him back in the game? Um, you know, to me, that's the question that I have. He should have been chewed out on the spot and benched on the spot, and uh, that wasn't the case. So I, I don't know why doing this will have the same desired effect when it comes to a punishment. The Pirates are out of it, right? Put him out there, put him out there, Mark, and then take him off the field just to punish him even more. You know what I mean? Make him run out there and then bring him Well, Marte in. dodged Hurdle literally after he didn't run that ground rock because Hurdle got up, was waiting for him, and Marte went to the other staircase. Right. So, you know, back back in the day, uh, not to go Steigerwald on you here, but back in the day, wouldn't the manager go down to the other staircase and chew him out right there in the other end of the dugout? By the same token... You're looking to win that game. Whatever little chance you have left, you really needed to win that game. So maybe it was better to resolve it the way he did. And I guess if you're looking for the best way to win the game, you and I talked about this on the Trib Live podcast today, maybe having Adam Frazier's bat in there instead of Marte's is the best way to win the baseball game today anyway, right? Well, I think it's indicative of whether they think they're in the race or not by what they do with Frazier and with Newman. If they think they're in it, Frazier should play all the time. If they don't think they're in it, Newman should play all the time. Right, and bringing Newman up to me is funny. I don't know if you read this the same way I did, but in essence, they brought Newman up to be the last guy on the roster, right? Correct. How is Newman being used right now? In last-ditch pinch-hitting situations, last-ditch fielding situations, last-ditch base running situations, you know, like how they should have used S-Rod all year, but they still tried to use S-Rod as a starter, yet he was here in the same capacity. Explain that one to me. Tim, I want to move on to the Steelers. Uh, Is it too early to be real worried about that defense? I know a bunch of regulars didn't play, but the fundamental errors at Green Bay last Thursday were shocking. No, Mark, it's not too early to worry about it. It's too early to declare it as being worse than last year already, which some are ready to do, and I can't do that until I see Joe Hayden and T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward on the field, Sean Davis, Mike Hilton to a lesser degree as well. Those five regular contributors, uh, I'm not ready to say it's going to be worse until I see the current unit with all those guys out there, but Individually, yeah, it looks like the inside linebacker situation is every bit as dire as we anticipated. It looks like Morgan Burnett isn't the player they were hoping when they signed him in free agency, at least not yet. It looks like Javon Hargrave has at the very worst, or at the very least plateaued, and maybe at the worst regressed to the point that they may be trying to elevate Dan McCullers in front of him. These individual things are cause for concern, if not alarm. Uh, if you want to stop short of saying it's going to be worse, I, I think every red flag you were worried about hoisting for the defense coming out of training camp is already on the flagpole. Tim, I can't decide if Terrell Edmonds was good at Green Bay or terrible. Maybe some of both. 
Yeah, yeah. And you know what, though, Mark, and I heard you talking about this earlier in your show, so what? You, you still got to play them, though, because I'd rather have a few splash plays mixed in with some big mistakes because on occasion he's going to at least get you the ball back. And what we, what we just outlined about the D already, uh, give me a defense that's more likely to at least get the ball back, score some points in its own, set up short fields, and get itself off the field that way as opposed to just crossing your fingers and hoping the offense on the other side of the ball screws up enough that on occasion it punts before it crosses the 50 because this defense isn't going to stop the other team from doing that too often, unfortunately. I want to talk about the DBs. I keep hearing the Steelers have a lot of choices at DB, but I don't know how many good ones they have. And uh, I keep hearing that Davis and Burns need more time. They don't need more time. It's their third year in the league. They should either be good and established or they should be looking to be replaced, especially Burns, who was a first-round pick after all. Right, and this is what Mike Tomlin has preached many times over during his tenure here in Pittsburgh, that the greatest leap you're supposed to take as a player is between year one and year two, and that didn't happen with Davis and Burns. I think you could have argued that those guys were slightly ahead of the curve after their rookie seasons, and then maybe took a step back by the end of their sophomore season. And that's a concern. I think that's part of the reason why they flooded their draft and their uh, free agency signings with safeties in case they had to move on from Sean Davis, which is laying the foundation to have bodies there if they did move on from him. I don't know if they're quite there with Burns yet because corners are so much harder to find, but uh, I'm with you. That development, that leap they were supposed to take in year two didn't happen. And uh, to amplify your point about having lots of defensive backs running around out there on the field, you want some of them to be good, and they're not to the point where they're good yet. They're only okay at best. We're talking to Tim Benz of the Trib and Steelers Nation Radio here on the Mark Madden Show. Tim, uh, how is inside backer going to iron itself out? Matt Williamson was on earlier, and he basically said under no circumstances should more than one of those guys ever be on the field. More than, in other words, just Vince Williams, he's saying? Is that it? Well, just whoever, just one of them. Yeah, I think you'll see Vince Williams and just defensive backs more often than not. Uh, you know, if you remember back in uh, Larry Foote's second stint here, right? I mean, Larry Foote was basically just used as a first and occasionally second and long, uh, or second and short, rather, run stopper. Um, that's what his role was, even more diminished than when he was here the first time around. I think you're going to see that sliced even more with Bostic and Matikiewicz. Uh, I think that that's not even unique, Mark, to just the Steelers either. The need to have two run-stopping inside linebackers has kind of become antiquated anyway. That was sort of the appeal of going out and getting Rashawn Evans. He was supposed to be the more athletic, athletic pass-covering guy, uh, more like Ryan Shazier than Williams. I think that's part of the uh, issue here with Vince Williams is you're asking him to be not only the uh, run stopper, but also the more athletic and diverse of the inside linebackers when they're out there, and that's never been what Vince's game is about. What are you expecting from Bud Dupree now that we've seen him play a bit after switching to the left side from the right? Yeah, I'm not going to use what we've seen so far from the defense to adjudicate Dupree and how he's done because they haven't we haven't seen Watt on the other side. It. In its theory, I really like the notion of Dupree going to the blind side. I think that is something they should have done last year. I think every reason that both Watt and Bud and especially Keith Butler outlined to make that change makes a hell of a lot of sense. He's less likely to push himself that far upfield going from the right side. T.J. Watt is better in contain. 
T.J. Watt is better at jumping up and batting down balls from the left side facing a right-handed quarterback. Dupree's greater athleticism with the quarterback not being able to see him and stepping up, that might lead to more sacks. It's all a very sound explanation. Now let's see it in practice, but you need both bookends to be able to judge whether or not that practice is going to work when the ball is actually snapped in the regular season. What is the helmet rule going to do to football and to the NFL? Uh, how big an impact is it going to have once the regular season starts? Oh, huge. And Mark, uh, a fellow Liverpool fan of yours and I were just in a big discussion about this. You'll hear the interview tomorrow on your program when I'm in. That's Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News who's fighting a one-man battle for us to accept the helmet rules. And I refuse. I'm not going to accept these helmet rules. I don't care if he roots for Liverpool or not. They stink. And the reason is is because the officials are so inclined to throw the flag now because they don't want to get in trouble with the league. They're calling stuff they think they see. They're calling stuff they fear that they saw, even when they're not seeing it. Uh, you know, perfect example is what happened in the Jacksonville-Buffalo game on two occasions. One, the sack of the quarterback, which wasn't about the helmet, but that's the full lowering of the weight on the ball carrier thing, which is stupid. And then, um, like the Morgan Burnett play, the uh, play with uh, him and Cody Sensabaugh sandwiching Marcedes Lewis. If those guys don't lower their head in an effort to turn their shoulder into Lewis, then they're going to get busted the same way that Barry Church did last year at Rob Gronkowski and go helmet to chin. They had to lower their helmet to get their shoulder into the ball carrier, who, by the way, lowered his helmet to brace himself. But there's an inherent bias that the offending player is going to be the defender because he's the one looking to apply the hit whereas you just naturally assume the ball carrier is bracing for a collision. And that's not what the rule is written to say. Do you agree with me that the rule was put in place not to protect the player, but to protect the league and the owners against future legal action? Oh, I wrote exactly that in March, that exact line. Yes, I do. I, I think this is CYA, and it's a little too late. And You know what, Mark? The, these current players, it feels funny to say this, but players in general are as much to blame as the league is because it's the former players who sued because you know they didn't want to admit what they signed up for now i get that the league covered up and i'm oversimplifying by saying that and the league is at fault for that too but you know for all this trailblazing we're supposed to pat the former players in the league on the back for well now they've also set up a lot of fines for current players for doing stuff that is natural football activity and that's just not right uh, are we seeing the decline and fall of football? Is it going to gradually become smaller and lesser? Tim, I think it would take a long time, and the ratings decline is mostly due to, to streaming services and other viewing options and not a decline of popularity. But one thing that scares me is I'm told that rosters in the Whippeal for football are down all around, that, that, that fewer kids are playing in the Whippeal than ever before. Yeah, um, in fact, that's a very legitimate point, Mark. Is one we talked about all the time during our Comcast broadcast last year when I was doing Whitfield games. And, um, you know, you remember we all worked together. Ellis Cannon used to do color on that broadcast with me. And every question he would always ask the coach was somewhere along the way is, how's your numbers? How's your numbers? And that's just mind-boggling to me. As a kid who has had Western PA ties his whole life, didn't grow up here, but didn't grow up in a really good football climate for high school and then came here it's like numbers that that shouldn't be an issue in western pennsylvania but it is and uh i'm on board with you i think it's a lesser deal about the 
broadcast ratings than it is participation and enthusiasm and involvement in the game. Because helmet injuries, head injuries or not, it's a brutal game. It's about your back. It's about broken legs and blown out ACLs and torn shoulders and things like that. For for those reasons, a lot of people are staying away from football. And I think I saw that 71 of the 100 most viewed cable programs last year were still football games. So everything is going down viewership-wise. It's not viewership as as compared to everything else in the television landscape. It's, It's the bigger deal about grassroots enthusiasm for the game. You're right. That's an issue. Tim, great stuff. We'll do it again soon. All right, Mark. Talk to you soon. That's Tim Benz. It's not time to ask Mark anything. Ask Mark anything. I repeat, ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX. It's bringing you original programming. It's bringing you a whole new night of original programming. All new episode of Supergirl and the can't-miss new series Charmed. Sunday nights this October on The CW. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. The cream comes to the top. I feel like I'm just bubbling over. You wear pants while you're on the air? Because I wouldn't. Who told you? The X at 105.9. It's time to ask Mark anything. Brought to you by Chapino Restaurant Cigar Bar. It's the city's best seafood and shop. So check out Chapino in the strip. Marte's making excuses, by the way, for not running out the ground ball. He said... I completely understand the manager's point of view, but in that moment, my mentality was more of sometimes when you slip and you try to force it, you could pull an injury, and I'm just trying to be safe right now. Unquote, i.e., what a crock that is. Let's go to Fred and Manaka. Fred, ask Mark anything. Mark, how you doing? Hey, how can anybody set a line on the game when the referees are going to be the big part of the game, as uh, Tim Benz already mentioned? Thank you. Uh, they will anyway, and people will bet anyway. Believe me, this helmet rule won't affect the amount of money wagered at all. It'll just get some people sour about a result and some people feeling overjoyed that a break went their way and they got the result. Let's go to Jake in Green Tree. Jake, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark, what's going on? What up? How I don't watch college ball as much as pro, but how is this? Is this different from NCAA rules? Because, like, I know they have launched. I, I don't think the rules. NCAA is making the same issue. Uh, put it this way. This same rule has not been adopted, to my knowledge, in college football. But I'll be blunt. I pay so little attention to college football, I wouldn't know. It just seems like there's so much backlash from, from players. Like, I, what would – there's no way they're going to trash the rules. But, like, what would it take to – You see, I, I have, I have sympathy for the players because they have to switch a style of hitting – that they have, you know, done their whole lives, their whole careers, right? Right. But on, on, on the other hand, if they don't like it, they don't have to play. True. You know, you know, these aren't just rules. They are conditions of employment. And if you don't abide by the conditions of employment, there's always Barber College. Let's go to Jared and Prospect. Jared, ask Mark anything. Hey, Super Genius, how you doing? Good. Hey, I just want to talk to you about... Uh... You know, how do you feel about millennials with their social justice and everything acting how the vocal minority affects the... I, I, think they're enti- I think they're entitled brats who always weld their moral compass but couldn't find their backside <laughs> with the funnel. Yeah, exactly. And me being 30, I'm kind of on the back end of them. And honestly, I can't stand my generation. 
and with you talking about the Hooters situation, like it's more than just that, but yet they embrace, you know, like you're saying that LGBT. Oh no. And everybody should embrace that. Okay. It just, it just, I got no problem with that. It's a total switcheroo from how many years ago. Yeah, exactly. And I know people that are, you know, you're a lot of like gay and everything. You're a lot of like, some of my best friends know people who are gay. What the yeah, heck? I mean, my uncle is a, a kid I've worked with is gay. No, you know? I, I know, I know thing, several gay people as well, and I, I don't think of them as gay people. I just think of them as people. Yeah, they're people, and exactly, and they try to project a moral compass on us. Like, okay, you want to have a rally in the street where, you know, people are literally having their breasts hanging out with a pasty. What the hell are you talking then, about? Oh, all the parades and stuff. For parades for what? What whatever. parade did I miss where breasts were hanging out? They are all over, Mark. I mean, okay, honestly, I'm going to cut you off no- now because I have no idea what you're talking about. Let's go to Derek and McDonald. Derek, ask Mark anything. How you doing, Super Genius? Good. Hey, uh, I'm going to Conneaut Lake this weekend for the first time ever. And I wanted to hear your top things to do up there. Where are you staying? I'm just going up for the day on Saturday. Oh, because I always stay at the Hotel Kanye. Go to the amusement park, play miniature golf, walk on the beach, go to, uh, God, what's the, uh, Silver Shores for dinner, get park fries. That about wraps it up. I'm, I have a pretty narrow viewpoint, but that's what that's all the stuff that I do. Let's go to Chuck in Bethel Park. Chuck, ask Mark anything. Double M, I, uh, I saw you on the show last night. I have to give you a A-plus for the effort because I had the same thing you had, and I lost 11 pounds in two days, and I don't know if it was food poisoning, stomach flu, Montezuma's revenge. Or I, st- what. I still don't know what it is. I just know I had it now. It's mostly passed. Not quite passed, but mostly passed. It is nasty. I mean, I, I went to straight water at the end, and even that didn't work, so. Well, I, uh, I, you know what I did? I took, uh, I drank Gatorade and ate yogurt. So I got over it. Let's go to the dude at the bowling alley. The dude abides here on 105.9. Hey, Double M, uh, why does they call Randy Johnson the big unit? Because he's 6'10". All right, then. You thought it was something dirty, didn't you? No. He's 6'10". 